We are in this uh, perpetual study of the scripture called Stories That We Tell that may end at the end of the summer. Um, We are still in Genesis, but it will get quicker, I promise. Um, But I was just thinking back there that I I think sometimes, kind of, you know, Chris talking about that motivation thing, we like to accomplish things in our culture. And uh, the reality for me is that when I study scripture, there's no end to that. And the thing that changes me isn't getting like some dynamic thing out of Scripture every time I study it. It's this ongoing study where at the end of it, you start getting dynamic things because you know the story. And so I, I just hope you know that uh, I feel kind of this pressure to do these series and, and get done as the speaker. But um, really the thing is that we should just take our time with it and let God's Word transform us over the long haul. So... Uh, You can remind me of that, and at times I'll remind you of that, and we'll do that. So we're at Genesis chapter 11. It's the story of the Tower of Babel. Um, So turn to Genesis chapter 11. We're going to read through this story. It's really a brief story, and we're going to talk about what it all means. It says this, um, Now the whole world, or the whole earth, or the whole land, had one language and a common speech. Okay, just I'm a nerdy guy, and so every once in a while I'm going to go off on these tangents about the way things feel in Scripture and not necessarily how they get translated. If, when it says world, just like in Genesis chapter 1, it's not, they're not thinking world like planet. They're thinking about the geography and the land and the, the place where they're living. Uh, all the ancient maps of the world from the Middle East really include the countries that people lived in, and then little points that were outside of that, okay? So uh, they, they just weren't thinking planet. They were thinking earth, land. So the whole, the whole place um, had one language. And uh, something cool about Hebrew that's hard to translate is Hebrew is a very visual, very gritty, very physical language. And so we have these words that are really abstract, like language. You know, like what is a language? The Hebrew in this is they were of one lip, Okay? Uh, and oftentimes, abstract ideas in Hebrew are conveyed through physical things. So God doesn't get angry. His nose gets hot. Okay, uh, Middle Eastern culture is very expressive, and they're very physical. And so just know that there is a little bit of a difference in the way that they approach things. So uh, they had one lip, and here's an interesting phrase. Uh, they had a common speech, and it's basically they were uh, ones of words. It's the plural of the word one and the plural of the word words. And so basically they had one vocabulary, one, one common way of talking. So that's why it gets translated uh, common speech. So just a little side note there. And then it says, As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And it, there's two ways to read this phrase, moved eastward. And the rabbis talked about it. Um, we've chosen to translate it moved eastward. It literally is from the east. And the interesting thing is that word east is also the word for ancient. And the rabbis said they didn't move from the east. They moved from God, who was the ancient of days. They were trying to get as far away from God as they could. So uh, that's an interesting take that the rabbis had on that text. So they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and, and bake them thoroughly. And uh, they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And what's interesting is, is uh, we know that this happens in the Middle East. They moved from basically a Stone Age culture to a culture where they start building uh, cities, and they, they also start using tar for their mortar, and they start doing that. So that's part of a historical record. Um, and they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches 
to the heavens. Right? Let, let's build a city and a tower that reaches to the heavens. And several weeks back, I told you that like, their cosmology, their view of the world, they had no idea about outer space. They thought they lived underneath the dome, right? And the interesting thing is most cultures of the world that aren't modern cultures see it as a dome. Like you walk outside and you think there's a big blue dome. And they thought they could actually build a tall enough building to get to that dome, to the heavens. Okay? Now, in their culture, to get to the heavens basically makes you a god. So there's a sense in this, without it directly saying it in the Scripture, they wanted to become divine beings. They wanted to reach the heavens and live there themselves. Okay? Um, and it says this. It says, uh, So that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. They wanted to be something. They wanted to be united. Let me ask you this. Why would people want to be all united and not be scattered? Power and numbers, for one thing. What's another way of saying power and numbers? We've said it. There's other ways that we have said that at times in our culture. There's power and numbers. There's safety in numbers, right? You're going to a bad part of town, a place you think's risky. Would it be better to be by yourself or with a group of ten friends? Ten friends, right? Don't let us be scattered. And they wanted to make a name for themselves. And having a name in the Middle East means having high honor. They wanted to be very honorable. They wanted to be divine beings. And they wanted to be all together and have strength in numbers and power and fortified, basically. So circle the wagons type of a thing. Now, then it says, But Yahweh came down to see the city. And this is really meant to be funny, right? They're building a tower to the heavens. And what does Yahweh have to do? Come down to even see it, right? Um, and, the, and he saw the tower uh, that the men were building. Anybody ever study narrative, like uh, literature in college or anything like that? Anybody ever study like Aristotle? What's the three parts that every story has to have? Anybody remember? Beginning, middle, and the ending, right? You've got to have those three parts. In classical literature, if you don't have those three parts, it's not a story. And so this is a very brief story, and the first part of the story is this. Human beings were moving eastward, or moving away from the ancient, and they wanted to build a tower, and they wanted to reach the heavens and make a name for themselves and not be scattered. The middle part of the story from people who study literature is called the turn. And it happens not just in literature, but in movies. And it's fun when you know literature theory to watch movies and go, and just ask the question, where is the turn in the plot that changes it from the beginning to the ending? Okay. And it, it, you, you watch movies, it happens. There'll be these scenes, and you're like, that is it. Everything changes at this point. In this story, this is where everything changes. They're trying to build this tower, and then it says, and then God came down. And boom, the story is going to change. All right, here's the Tower of Babel. Actually, it's not the Tower of Babel. Uh, this is probably what the Tower of Babel looked like. This is a ziggurat in Iraq. This is actually the ziggurat at a place called Ur, which we'll talk about later. Um, this was turned into a fort. Um, actually, right now, used by American soldiers, actually, it camped around it. Um, originally, it, was a, it, it wasn't completed, and it went through several stages of development. It was 172 feet high. Um, and these ideas of these ziggurats were these, these temples that they would try to build to reach the heavens and to honor gods and make kings gods and those types of things. And so this is, there's two really well-preserved uh, ziggurats, and this is one of them, or the best-preserved ones that we have. This is one. It's pretty, I have another picture, but I don't have it with me. Uh, like a car would be, uh, it's going to be small next to that. That's actually a very large, actually a very large thing. So 
All right. Yahweh said, if as one people speaking the same language, having one lip, um, they begin to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be re- impossible for them, which is an interesting thing for God to say about sinful humanity. If they come together and they're one and they got one language, they can do anything they want. And literally what it says is there will be no wall to them, no barrier to hold them back from what they want to accomplish. God has a very high view of humanity, even in our sinfulness. God actually, I think, believes that we can change the world for good or for evil. Right? Chris Perry can go and change the world. We believe that as followers of a God who believes that about us. I also believe that somebody like Amy and I were watching a video last night. Somebody like Hitler can come along and change the world. Right? And then God says, notice at the beginning of the story, the people said, come, let us do this. And the last part of the story, there's just like a direct parallel to the first part of the story. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. And a couple of things. Uh, that word for confuse is balal. It means to mix up. And anybody ever grew up on a farm? Anybody ever mix feed? It's the same word for mixing feed, like when you're taking oats and other and corn and you're mixing it all together. Same word. So God's going to come down. He's basically just going to mix it all up, right? Mix up their languages. And here's, the, here's a, one of those things that kind of bugs me. The Hebrew word here is not for understand. There is a Hebrew word for understand, but that's not the word here. He says, I'm going to mix up their language so that they won't hear each other. Isn't that different? Different. Especially when we live in a culture where we don't hear each other very well. Right? We can talk and talk and not hear and not listen. So the confusion here is God mixes it up and people don't, they just can't hear each other anymore. So Yahweh scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. Now why did they start building the city and the tower? To reach the heavens, lest we be scattered. And so what does God do? Scatters them, right? Kind of an interesting thing. That is why it was called Babel. It's part of that word Bilal, um, to be in Bilal, Babel, to be in confusion, mixed up. Um, because Yahweh confused the language of the whole world. From there, Yahweh, again, scattered them over the face of the whole world. Okay, yeah. The God that we believe in is a God who scatters. Uh, he gathers together, but God... I, here, let, me, let me put this up here. There's a tension in the, throughout the scriptures centered around our need for security, fame, and centralized power. We like to gather together and huddle together, and have power, and make a name for ourselves, and it's easy to do, even for the best causes. Like, I sometimes ask this question of myself, like, are we talking more about New Covenant or about Jesus? Right? It's easy for us to want to make a name for ourselves, even when it's good things. And there's that tension all through the Scripture. It runs contrary to the will of God for humanity, and uh, which is best expressed or fully expressed in the life and the attitude of Jesus, right? So let me, let me read a scripture to you from Philippians chapter 2. Mm-hmm. We need to have like uh, Jeopardy music when I'm having these pauses. Yeah, well, not really. Okay, <clears throat> listen to this. Tell me if this doesn't sound completely different from what the people of Babel did. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, so there's that oneness aspect that is important. 
any comfort from his love, any fellowship in the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same, not language, but love. Being one in spirit and purpose. You, you kind of wonder if God's saying, because there's nothing that's impossible for you to do if you come together with one spirit. But it's different. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then it gives this model of Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Was Jesus trying to build a tower to heaven? What did Jesus do? He came the other way. And instead of trying to make a name for himself, Jesus made himself nothing. It's interesting. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him. God raised him up to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, all over. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right? Different. Jesus is the perfect representation of what humanity should be like. Instead of trying to make a name for ourselves and find safety, make yourself nothing and embrace the cross. It's a different way of being. It's interesting. Right before uh, it talks about Noah in Genesis, it says every human being had corrupted his way on the earth. And there's two ways to read that. They've corrupted their own way on the earth. The other way to read that is that they've corrupted God's way. That God had a plan for humanity and human beings corrupted it. And we forgot, and I think the people at Babel forgot, and we forget, Elohim blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, which they were doing, but we forgot this part. Fill the earth and subdue it. God's intent for humanity was always to be scattered. Fill the earth and spread God's kingdom everywhere that you go. Sometimes God gathers, right? Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to join this man and this woman in holy matrimony, right? Sometimes God gathers, or a baby's born, or a child is adopted, right? But God's focus is always going towards the world, always in the Scripture. God gathers so that he can multiply and send. And so God arranges the first marriage, Adam and Eve, so that the man may leave his father and mother, Right? It's the gathering that produces new life and then the scattering that produces life spread out. And so we have children that someday will leave home. Haley's going to be 18 in six years, right? But we really as her parents are supposed to be training her to go out into the world because God's will is that we multiply and fill the world with his kingdom. This church could be a babel. We could build buildings to try to reach to heaven and make a name for ourselves. Or... We can be a mission center where we're building buildings because what we do is we train people to go out into the world, right? And it's just different in focus. There's nothing wrong with gathering, but what is the reason um, for doing it? 
Here's another scripture. We're coming up on Pentecost. This is from Acts chapter 1. Jesus is with the disciples for 40 days after his resurrection, which I would have loved to have been around for. And he says this right before he ascends into heaven. They're asking, when's the end of the world coming? He says, you don't get it. Let me tell you what's coming. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to the people in the church. Right? To only the Jewish people. Right? No, to only the people who believe that I'm the Messiah, you'll tell each other how great I am until you all die out. Right? <laughs> this is what he says. So you made my witness in Jerusalem. So yeah, at home where you've gathered together and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right? The reason you get the power to be a witness is to take the gospel and multiply it all over the world. So you've got Passover. And then you've got this thing called Pentecost. Pentecost is called Pentecost because Pentecost means 50. And 49 days after Passover, plus one, so 50 days. So Jewish people do this thing called counting the omer, counting the seed until the harvest. Uh, Pentecost in Hebrew is Shavuot, which means weeks. It's seven weeks you wait, and then it's time for the harvest. And for Jewish people, they believe that this was the time that Moses received the law on Sinai. They believe it was the time that... uh, David died. Like They commemorate all these things. And in Jesus' day, they expected God to reveal himself in a special way at some point on Pentecost, on Shavuot. And they would count these days, counting the Elmer, until it was time. So 40 of these days, Jesus is with them. And then he's taken up into heaven. What would it be like if you were those guys? Like I don't know how many days. It was 40-something days that he's with them. He's promised them the Holy Spirit. And they're thinking, when is this going to happen? And they're counting uh, I personally believe that in Acts chapter 2, you have a switch between 1 and 2. I think they were in the temple on that day, like any good Jew would be. Right? How do you get 5,000 people added to your number or 3,000 if you're in an upper room somewhere? Right? Like they make a decision to replace Judas in the upper room. But then in Acts chapter 1, it says, And then when Pentecost came, they were all in one place together. So there's that gathered thing. Then the Holy Spirit comes. And it's amazing things with tongues of fire, and everybody starts speaking in these different languages, but it's actually not speaking different languages necessarily. The Tower of Babel, when God confuses his language, he says they won't be able to hear each other. But if you read Acts chapter 2, what you see over and over isn't that they were speaking other languages over and over. You see that like once or twice. What you see over and over is, and everyone heard it in their own language. All of you who can hear, Peter says. Give your life to Jesus. Those who heard that day believed. And so Pentecost is like this reversal of the confusion of Babel. It changes everything. Instead of a community that's inward focused and focused on making themselves something, now you've got a community that's filled with God's Spirit and is about taking the good news to the world. And instead of people not being able to hear it because the Holy Spirit is in it, people are able to hear it. Right? Like when you, when you go share Jesus with somebody, it's not you trying to convince anybody of anything. You can't do that. It's a crazy story. Try to make somebody believe that a virgin had a baby. I mean, seriously. Try to make somebody believe that a guy came back from the dead or that he ascended into heaven and that where. Like, you can't convince anybody, but the Holy Spirit causes people to hear in languages that we can't speak. Right? And it's this amazing thing. And then you see this thing in the early church where they wanted to stay in Jerusalem. They wanted to start returning to that kind of Babel-type idea. Let's all circle up here. And then in Acts chapter 8, this thing happens. 
On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were what? Scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. God is this God that gathers us so that he can multiply us and send us out. And if we're unfaithful to that, he'll kick us out. He'll cause persecution to come along or for the Jews, exile to come along to make sure that the message about God gets to the world because that's his heart for us. He always meant it to be that way. So if we gather together in a room like this, if this is all we do, I have a friend that has a rude saying for things about people getting together just to make themselves feel good. I'm not going to say, but we don't want to do that. We have a message that can change the whole world. It's just as powerful as the message of the Nazis or anybody who might jack up the world. It's more powerful. We can actually talk to people about the God of the universe who changes lives and makes things whole and makes people give up their entire lives to go spend their time with kids who have no names to most people. You know what I'm saying? Like most people, aren't, most people in the world aren't concerned about children in a children's home in Guatemala. But God is, and the people of God are. So how can we keep it in this room? Right? We are Pentecost people, full of the Spirit. We are the temple. And it's not a building made of stone. It's a spiritual building that can go everywhere. Is what God wanted. So... Um, next week we start talking about Abraham and that Abraham is called and God makes an agreement with Abraham that through you I'm going to bless the whole world because God is always moving towards the world. Okay, So uh, I'm going to wrap up in prayer and then send us out. Uh, anybody have any comments or anything? Anything you'd like to say before we wrap up? Anything to... No? Those of you who were like, I thought this ended at 7.30. You're like, no, there's no comments. Let's go. Um, all right. Let's pray and then we'll head out. Father God, we long to be your people. And uh, God, there are so many good things that are going on that we can be a part of. And God, there are so many bad things that are going on that your people need to be there. Uh, Just need to be there, God. Because if you're in us, then goodness will be there. And we don't have all the answers. We don't know how it all works. God, you're in all of us. You put your Holy Spirit in all of us. So just let us be encouraged that... uh, If the people of Babel can come together and nothing that they want to do would be impossible for them, God, what would it be like if we came together and wanted to do the things that you wanted? I believe your scripture says if you're for us, nobody and nothing can be against us. So help us to see what you're doing and just join you in it, God. Help us to just continue to tell those stories and be encouraged. And we just thank you that we get to be a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen.